the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed hour number two of the Bob France Authority underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Wednesday, the seventeenth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, twenty eighteen. Thank you so very much for joining us. Pastor Andrew Brunson released after two years of horrific captivity in a Turkish prison, enduring Lord only knows what kind of conditions. Lord only knows what kind of treatment. And I mean literally only the Lord knows and only Andrew Brunson knows. He has not described all of the specific things he endured. I cannot imagine uh, that he probably wants to relive that uh, very much. He is just so grateful to be free. I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on President Trump, that you give him supernatural wisdom to accomplish all the plans you have for this country and for him. I ask that you give him wisdom on how to lead this country into righteousness. I ask that you give him perseverance and endurance and courage to stand for truth. Pastor Andrew Brunson praying for and with President Trump upon his return uh, from that terrible captivity. Uh, He is so grateful to the president, also to uh, Mike Pompeo and everyone who had a hand in getting him released. They have been working on this. Vice President Pence, they've been working on this for a very long time. And uh, finally, the efforts paid off, and hopefully it will lead to perhaps a better relationship between the United States and Turkey. Although with President Erdogan in charge over there, maybe that's not possible. But joining us to analyze this and make a little bit of sense out of it for us is our friend Ryan Morrow, who is the National Security Analyst and the Intelligence Director for the Clarion Project, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Ryan, good morning. How are you, sir? 
Very well. Thanks for having me. Ryan, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially when we have good news. You know, a lot of times the things we talk about with respect to national security, it's bad news, it's bad actions being taken by the likes of the Iranians or the Turks or Syrians and so on and so forth. This is, of course, uh, right in your wheelhouse with your Middle East expertise. Um, give me your thoughts, first, on the good news of the pastor's release, and secondly, on the impact that that might have on our relationship with Turkey, if any at all, and on uh, the uh, the impact on the broader Middle East of, of such a of such an improved relationship. Well, it's it's hard to overemphasize how much of an error Erdogan made throughout this whole thing, uh, because Trump was uh, it's fair to say pro Erdogan. I mean, always going to bat for him. The Trump and his companies had operated in Turkey and and had some good relations with Turkish officials. I think influenced that opinion and. Uh, Turkey was able to come up with excuses for why certain things were happening and get away with it, and then they stepped into the non-gray zone, the area where they could not come up with any type of far-fetched defense for what they were doing. They were holding an American pastor hostage. You can't spin that, especially with Trump. Uh, And so at that point, uh, I think the relationship really did change. Uh, There were anonymous officials saying to the press that a deal was struck. Trump says there was no deal. I lean a little bit in favor of saying that there was some sort of, maybe not a deal, but an understanding behind the scenes, because what were they all, the diplomats talking about that entire time? They were talking about something. Um, So uh, that's the bigger story, but I've got to say, particularly as a Christian, Pastor Brunson's way of seizing the moment after he's released fully aware that people across the Middle East, even more than Americans, were watching him on TV, and what he said was, I love Turkey. That was his response. I mean, that that's more than just a, a nice sentence uh, that's overlooked by most of our media. If you understand how the Middle East operates, uh, particularly in, in places like Turkey, uh, that's just so profound. Um, for someone to say, to come out and say, uh, despite you locking me up and mistreating me, the first words coming out of my mouth is, I love Turkey. Uh, th- that's going to impact, in terms of the ideological war, have a major impact. And in terms of Christianity as a faith, I bet there are millions of people who pondered how a human being that was imprisoned could respond that way and what spiritual force led him to do that. Yeah, there, there's, there's no way, um, you know, for us to understand that. I don't believe, even if I, I was going to say, without the shared experience that the pastor had, um, I, there's no way for us to understand it. But I think even, you know, those of us who are, you know, less than that. I mean, quite frankly, and I'll speak personally. I mean. I don't know that I have that kind of forgiveness in my heart. We all have very different makeups, obviously, and I don't know that I have that kind of forgiveness and that the ability to to love my enemy and turn the other cheek, as you know, as Christ instructed us. If someone strikes you on one, to give them the other. It's it's not you know incumbent upon a lot of us to be able to do to do that. So what he did was extraordinarily inspirational in his ability to do that. 
especially given, you know, the reason for his quote-unquote conviction and imprisonment. I mean, they flat out say it's for, it's for spreading the word of Christianity. It's for, it's for proselytizing a faith that is not the Muslim faith, which is the national religion in that, you know, in that, in that country. And so it's, it's, it's really difficult for the rest of us to understand. So moving forward, let's talk about what you said, Ryan. You said that, it's difficult to believe that there wouldn't have been some kind of a deal, and if not a deal, at least an understanding. What, what can that manifest itself into? What does that mean? If there's, is it a hey, you give us the pastor back now? I'll give you something on the back end that is unstated right now. Is it an understanding of I owe you one kind of a thing? Uh, yes, I think I think it, there's more to it than that. It could be related to trade, since just the minor sanctions just wallop the Turkish economy uh, in a way that it, even optimists in the U.S. didn't expect it to hit them that hard that quickly. Um, it, it could be in regards to that. I think it's, I hate to say it, I think it's more likely in regards to betraying the Kurds, uh, because that has been a demand of the Turks uh, that we have met under Obama and uh, frankly, under Trump. Um, so if Turkey's going to demand anything, that is their primary concern, and that's something that they know we are, have been, we've shown we're willing to bend on that. Um, what else could, could there be? Who knows? Maybe it's avoiding sanctions for their harboring of Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, and even al-Qaeda figures, uh, which they still have not been fully punished for. There's a whole laundry list of things uh, that could be part of this understanding. I suspect Trump is playing with the word deal here um then yeah there's no deal struck but a deal is like a signed agreement so yeah it's not a deal but the diplomats are talking about something otherwise they would have released the american pastor long ago or the second the sanctions hit it is important obviously for him to say that there was no deal right just because of our long-standing you know uh, uh tradition not just a tradition but our you know our our rules of engagement if you will that we do not pay for hostages we do not pay or give in or 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 you know give any concessions whatsoever to get hostages released because thus it would encourage the taking of more hostages by foreign uh enemies uh so so it is important that the president get that message out there it's just that because you know he can't say he can't say we gave them nothing. He just has to say there's no deal because to say otherwise would be to violate that long-held uh, belief in American um, you know security. Yep, I get it. I just hope that we didn't give them anything because very few people, including in this administration, as far as I can tell, understand that Turkey has got crossed the line from human rights abuses, anti-Americanism, and sponsorship of terror into essentially declaring war on the United States. If you look at the statements from the top officials in Turkey's government and from Erdogan himself, it's a series of declarations of war and justifications for jihad against the U.S. saying that they're in a state of war. They just don't use the English word of war, so we don't realize it. So I I equate it to when Hitler declared war on the United States, it would be as if we ignored it because he used the German language instead of the English word for war. Uh, and, and so we have to have a policy that says if you declare jihad or you justify jihad against the U.S., that is translated into English as a declaration of war. And that's how we're going to treat it, because it, it's amazing to me that uh, organizations and leaders can get away with doing that, and we, we don't even notice. 
Uh, Ryan Morrow is our guest uh, analyzing the uh, the ramifications of the release of the pastor, uh, Andrew Brunson, from a Turkish prison. Ryan, we're going to take our time out here because on the other side, I want to go in-depth and get your thoughts on what happens now between the United States and Saudi Arabia after the death of Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist with the Washington Post. Um, according to multiple reports, um, a high-ranking Saudi officer with ties to the crown prince himself oversaw the journalist's deadly interrogation, the essentially torturing him to death, and then thus following the dismemberment of his body, uh, which has not been uh, which has not been found, obviously, or even pieces thereof. So, I want to get your thoughts on what happens if we do confirm that it was the Saudis, and if we do confirm that it goes all the way to the highest levels of their of the kingdom. Uh, and get your thoughts on that as we continue right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1021, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. We continue now with Ryan Morrow, Director of Intelligence for the Clarion uh, uh, Intelligence Network and the National uh, uh, Security Analyst for the Clarion Project, as well as the Shulman Fellow at the Clarion Project. Okay, Ryan, I want to, because this ties the last subject, um, Turkey, uh, with the new subject of Saudi Arabia. I want to read just a couple of brief lines from Business Insider today and give you a reaction to this. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo arrived in Turkey on Wednesday after visiting Saudi Arabia in response to the disappearance of Saudi critic Jamal Khashoggi. Pompeo and President Trump have put a lot of stock in the Saudis to investigate themselves over Khashoggi's suspected murder and appear to be on the same page. But Turkish officials continue to leak gruesome details alleging murder on a daily basis. Turkish President uh, Erdogan has cracked down on the press to gain nearly complete control of the Turkish media. And finally, U.S. senators and U.N. human rights officials are not buying Saudi Arabia story on Khashoggi, and Turkey continues to blow apart Trump and Saudi Arabia's understanding. So, Ryan, give me a response to that as you understand it with your expertise and also the long, complicated relationship that we have with a human rights oppressive regime like Saudi Arabia, the birthplace of Islam, uh, practitioners of Sharia law, Wahhabism, which is the most extreme form thereof, uh, and why it is we maintain such a tight relationship with them. Sure. Uh, well, it really comes down to mutual dependency, uh, geopolitics, having similar adversaries, uh, and then somewhat uh, fear, uh, fear of what happens if there's instability within Saudi Arabia, what that does to the global economy, which would be a disaster, uh, and then also fear about who would take over. And if you have a government that controls Mecca and Medina declared jihad on the United States, as opposed to just sponsoring jihadist ideology, but I mean like an actual formal declaration against the United States, uh, then you're talking about a potential world war. So uh, so those are all the different calculations that go into the U.S.-Saudi relationship. Um, as for the Khashoggi situation, uh, Turkey has spread some lies about what's gone on, uh, but the degree of specifics that they're now releasing leads me to believe that uh, this account is mostly or entirely true. Um, in addition to some other research that I saw done uh, in the open source world. Um, so I do believe that uh, the crown prince, who's essentially the king of Saudi Arabia, was behind this. Um, it's possible that they wanted to, like, knock him out and then bring him over to Saudi Arabia. Probably not, but it's possible. Um, and the so-called journalist, who's more of an op-ed writer, uh, was 
a member, and this is known, of the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, so much so that I've seen some writers call him the de facto leader of the Muslim Brotherhood in Saudi Arabia, and internally, that is the number one concern of the Saudi government. So this is less from their perspective about press freedom, uh, because that already doesn't exist. This guy, that doesn't hinge upon this guy. Uh, but for them, this was a high-profile assassination or attempted kidnapping of an enemy leader uh, of the Muslim Brotherhood who they believe that they are at war with. And I'm in no way justifying what they did, because it's wrong, um, but it's important to understand the context of why this is happening uh, so that we uh, understand our response and respond properly, because we could cause a lot of trouble inadvertently by getting on our high horse and acting too aggressively against the Saudis on behalf of a Muslim Brotherhood operative. So do you believe, Ryan, then, that the president's course right now is the right one to say we're not going to jump to any conclusions and immediately declare some kind of a war, either militarily or otherwise, on Saudi Arabia until we have absolute proof that they did this, that the crown prince was involved, because he seems to be treading very lightly. A lot of people are criticizing him for that, saying, you know, he's trying to protect the relationship for reasons that are beneficial to him, and he's willing to allow this journalist to, uh, you know, to have paid a terrible price without holding those, uh, you know, irresponsible accountable. Sure. Uh, I think Trump has to do this, understanding what is at stake. Um, it, it's not like him sort of exonerating the crown prince is going to change what everybody knows. Everybody already knows he was involved. Um, so from his perspective, there's no added value from pinning it right on the crown prince because he's already been exposed for this. And there might be consequences in the but near future. There, yeah, there, you just said the word. It's, it's, one thing is exposed. Another thing is... You know, consequences, held responsible, accountability for for this uh, in order to let them know that this is not going to be acceptable, uh, you know, for, for you know, remember, this this guy was Turkish, but he was working for the Washington Post. You know, he's you know, obviously worked out of the United States and his close ties and so on and so There has to be accountability, does there not? He's a permanent resident, so there does. Um, he is not a citizen, and, and there is a difference there. Um, some people are will be offended by me saying that, but to me there's, a big difference between a permanent resident, especially one that is tied to the Muslim Brotherhood, and an American citizen who is not tied to Islamic extremism. But right. yeah, there has to be consequences. I'm sure we're going to work out an arrangement that a lot of people are going to be unhappy with, uh, with the Saudis, where they set up a fall guy because they're already they're already testing the waters to say this was the work of a rogue general, um, and then our reprisals will be aimed at that general, maybe freezing the assets of a dozen people um, with the Saudis already prepared for those sanctions, and it basically becomes a show. Um, And then we move on. Um, When people say that this permanently changes the U.S.-Saudi relationship, uh, no, it doesn't. And those lobbyists that canceled their contracts with Saudi Arabia, give it a year, they'll be back. Um, (laughs) This changes a lot less than what than what people say um it, it's just because we live in in the media world it's uh, everything's got to be dramatic and everyone's emotional right now um but the fundamental dynamics don't change and and but what's also important for people to understand is what the saudi strategy is behind this why they're focusing on cracking down the muslim brotherhood it's because the crown prince yes he's a a bit of a theocrat and he's a tyrant but he's not like the wahhabists and he does want to dramatically open up, especially the northwestern part of Saudi Arabia, 
to Western influence, even lifting some of the Sharia laws so that businesses can prosper in that area. But the risk that comes with that agenda of aligning with the more liberal youth is that the liberal youth will then be led by the Muslim Brotherhood, who positions themselves as moderates compared to the Wahhabists. So there's this big dance going on, and the only way that they can deal with all these different power dynamics and succeed without dying and being overthrown is for the crown prince to crush the Muslim Brotherhood as much as possible so that when openness happens, it's not filled, that gap's not filled by the Muslim Brotherhood, and then all hell breaks loose. Ryan, last thing, because we've got less than a minute here, but... um... Let's suppose, and I don't condemn you for what you said. You said a lot of people might criticize, say there's a difference between a citizen and a permanent resident. I agree with you. Let's just say for the sake of, of discussion, hypothetically, it was a citizen. This is a, an American citizen journalist working for the Washington Post, highly critical of the Saudi government, uh, um, captured and interrogated and tortured to death by the Saudis. What do we do? What, 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 do you, what would you recommend or what do you think the president would do? If that were to be the situation, I think that Trump is going to be pushed to, you know, at least do some type of sanctioning or, or indictment or something um, of whoever set up as the fall guy. Um, but if things were to escalate because the Saudis have threatened to retaliate, uh, you could see gently increasing levels of sanctions, enough to cause pain, but not enough to cause permanent damage. They have to be uh, reversible so that the Saudi economy can quickly come back from whatever pain we put them through. Um, as opposed to the type of sanctions that we put on, like, Iran. Um, but he, you can't risk having the crown prince overthrown. He, he might have almost been killed just months ago. And so Senator Lindsey Graham is out there call it, saying that the crown prince has got to go, that that's got to be our policy. And he doesn't understand the dynamics of that, uh, of what's going on in that country or the risks. He, he just doesn't, if he's saying that. Ryan Morrow is uh, is an expert on the Middle East. He is also the intelligence director for the Clarion Intelligence Network. I think I always butcher your title there, but he's also a Shulman Fellow at the Clarion Project. Uh, follow him online and read his great works uh, at clarionproject.org. Follow him on uh, Twitter at Ryan Morrow, M-A-U-R-O, and on Facebook as well. Ryan, thank you for your insight and analysis of this. It's obviously a developing story, particularly as it pertains to the, uh, uh, to the uh, murder of Khashoggi. So we'll talk to you about that again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan Morrow joining us on AM 1420. The answer will get news now. Guest free the rest of the way. If you've been waiting to get in, get in right now. 216-901-0945 on AM 1420. The answer. A simple bra. Vehicle. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. You know, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes music will come on and I'll be like, man, that's not an appropriate uh, song for this particular segment. And other times we'll play music and I'll be like, man, that's perfect. Sometimes I'll request it. Sometimes it's just symbiosis. And Samuel Lockhart, who's running our show, had no idea I was about to talk about the traveling caravan of Hondurans to the United States. They've already crossed into Guatemala. He had no idea, and yet he played Traveling Man, which was absolutely perfect for this segment. So thank you, Samuel. Like I said, sometimes 
Uh, it's just uh, it's like radar love. There's a there's a uh, signal in the air, and uh, we don't need a letter at all. We just know. Uh, good stuff there. Hey, before I do talk about that, I want to talk about um, uh, once again about tomorrow's candidate forum. Uh, Chris Long, Pastor Chris Long, the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance, is hosting a very important event that's free to attend, free to the public. It's in Cuyahoga Falls. If you can get to Cuyahoga Falls tomorrow night at 6 p.m., well, by 7, the 7 o'clock the program starts. There's a meet and greet and social hour from 6 to 7. It's at the Sheridan Suites on Front Street in Cuyahoga Falls. And, uh, again, the program will start at 7 o'clock. Candidates for them. There are going to be a lot of great candidates there. Frank LaRose, uh, Jim Renacci, uh, Christina Rogner, uh, Dave Yost, Beverly Goldstein, Brian Williams. Uh, and Chris Long is running it all. And uh, more importantly, not more importantly, just as importantly as the candidate for them, it's also a rally against Issue 1, which is extraordinarily dangerous for the state of Ohio and for the people of Ohio. Uh, for innocent people in Ohio, for citizens, because the crime is going to spike horrifically, and so are the number of deaths and overdoses if issue one passes. Do not let anyone try to convince you otherwise. It is a death knell for many in the state of Ohio. Do not allow this to pass. So the rally against issue one in the candidate forum tomorrow, uh, hosted by Chris Long and the Ohio Christian Alliance, is at the Sheridan Suites, again on Front Street in Cuyahoga Falls, 6 p.m. for the meet and greet, 7 o'clock for the start of the program, free and open to the public. So I hope you will consider heading on out. All right, uh, now back to the traveling man music uh, that we just got. This is, uh, if there's ever been a better example of a time uh, when we need the border wall, uh, we have it now. Okay, we have it now. They are ambushing our southern border again. By they, I'm not talking about Mexicans. We have always known this is not just about Mexico or Mexicans coming to the United States. It's about a whole host of people from around the world, whether they be from Central America or South America or, or around the globe as they access the United States through our southern border, through Mexico's porous protection of their own border. Um, it's a major problem. In this case, it's another caravan of Hondurans who are essentially invading the United States. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about the story, and then we'll tell you a little bit about the images, which I can't play or you know, show you on the radio, obviously, uh, but certainly something that uh, I, I can describe for you that are very that is of great concern to me. Anyway, all right. So, so here's the deal: there is a caravan of roughly two thousand people. Uh, who are marching uh, through, apparently they're into Guatemala now, and they are marching through to the United States. That's the plan. They're going to go through Mexico to the United States. The President of the United States is trying, before they ever get to the United States, to try to claim asylum status, is trying to stop them from ever getting through Mexico. As a matter of fact... He issued a, about as strong a statement as any president has ever issued in a similar circumstance. This is one of the... Look, you don't have to like him for the relationship he had or may have had with Stormy Daniels. You don't have to like him for the way he tweets. I don't like the way he tweets. I think it's counterproductive to the mission at hand in many cases. You don't have to like uh, his morals or his infidelities in, in previous years. You don't have to like anything about him. But you doggone well better appreciate and respect the fact that he's got the guts that few, if any, presidents have ever had to just lay down the law like you would and I would. 
the president tweeting um, yesterday a warning to Honduras, quote, The United States has strongly informed the president of Honduras that if the large caravan of people heading to the U.S. is not stopped and brought back to Honduras, no more money or aid will be given to Honduras, effective immediately. Holy goodness. This is why we voted for Donald Trump, despite all of his warts, his flaws, and his faults. This is why. I don't know if anybody else would have said that. I don't know if a President Romney would have said that. I don't know if a President Bush would have said that. I don't think a President McCain would have said that, just going back recently. I doggone sure know that a President Hillary wouldn't have said that, and I doggone know that a President Obama wouldn't have said that. About 2,000 Hondurans pushing past police and into neighboring Guatemala as recently as Monday. After the migrants made it approximately 100, uh, uh, I'm sorry, made it past approximately 100 Guatemalan police at the border, they were held up for about three hours by a roadblock of about 250 police who urged them to turn back. The migrants refused and eventually were permitted to enter the town of Esquipulas. And I don't, I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly. I don't know the town where some local residents there helped them find food and places to rest, according to the Associated Press. The president then extended his threat late Tuesday in a tweet directed to neighboring countries, including Guatemala and El Salvador, saying that if the countries allow its citizens or others to journey through their borders in order to end up in the United States with the intention of entering our country illegally, all payments to them will stop. And this is what has to happen. This is absolutely what has to happen. These countries know that they have a financial stake in getting as many of their uh, citizens into the United States by way of repatriated dollars. Illegal aliens come to to this country from their poor, broken country, defined by some, including the President of the United States, as s-holes. With good reason. They are. And the reason why they are allowed to be is because the corrupt leadership in charge of those countries, such as El Salvador and such as uh, Guatemala, such as Honduras, the corrupt leaders in those countries are rich. They don't care if their people starve and if they're s-holes. And that's the problem. And how do they get rich? By taking the aid that we give, for, which is supposed to go to their people, and instead lines the pockets and furthers uh, the wealth disparity in their countries by their corrupt leaders. So the president is saying not only are these people going to be denied, denied entry to the United States so they can't repatriate earnings here in the United States back to you and back to their families in their countries, we are going to cut off all aid to you. You know, the money that we give you, that you then turn around and keep instead of giving to your people to try to advance their causes? That's what this comes down to. The president is, is basically, you know, what is the old adage? Follow the money or hit him, hit him in the pocket. And that's exactly what he is doing here. And it's the right thing. Now, to the point I wanted to make about the images I can't share with you on the radio, this is what is the most disgusting and frustrating, and quite frankly, it makes me angry. It is. It's uh, it's 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 kind of enraging, and it's outrageous. 
Far be it for me to be a member of the hashtag PPO, the party of perpetual outrage, and they are. By the way, more than maybe ever before, the Democrat Party is outraged over everything. Everything. From Brett Kavanaugh to these midterms to Cinderella cartoons. <laughs> I know that sounds silly. To Republicans dining in restaurants. I mean, their outrage is just showing. But this really does enrage me. This caravan, if you have not yet seen images of it, features a road width wide. It's an odd way to say it, I suppose. But a banner as wide as the road that they are marching north toward the United States of the Honduran flag. That wide-bannered Honduran flag is accompanied by several other Honduran flags being waved on poles as they march. In other words, they are marching to invade the United States, to bring Honduras to the U.S. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think that their cause would be great, greatly aided if they marched through these countries and through Mexico to get to our southern border, waving American flags, carrying a banner the width of the road, a massive banner being carried by 15 to 20 people, of the American flag. Something that might at least indicate that they are interested in coming to America because they love America. Because they believe America is a much better place to live than where they're coming from. That they want to be American. Instead, they are marching under their own Honduran flag. Which indicates that they don't want to be American. They want to use America for its resources, for its wealth, for its health care, for its education. They want to use the United States while still being Honduras. We want to transport Honduras into the United States. That cannot be allowed. If they march to the United States and our southern border under their Honduran flag, this is not a caravan of migrants. This is an invading army. Tell me that I'm wrong. Tell me that there is a way to see this in any other way. Please tell me. If they march under their Honduran flag and they try to come in and cross our border illegally, that's an invasion. That's not migrant, <clears throat> excuse me. That's not immigration. These are not migrants. These are, these are essentially foreign nationals marching under a foreign flag trying to come into the United States, and I see that as an invasion. And it needs to be treated as such. They need to be met at the border by the United States military. Not Border Patrol, the military. And I'm not suggesting they should be shot on sight, but they need to be immediately arrested before they get uh, across the border. They need to be met one foot on the other side. And they need to be zip-tied and turned back around and said and told to march the other direction. You're not coming in here. Now, if they get violent, violence should be met with violence. We would never instigate such a thing, but violence should be met with violence. 
I would think their cause would be helped if they actually expressed an indication to want to come to America because they love America, because they want to be American. Instead, they are marching here to invade us. Like so many other thousands and thousands, and quite frankly, millions, as you know, millions and millions of others from around the globe have come to the United States illegally, gotten access to it, been allowed to catch and release into our population, then popping out children who, because of our birthright citizenship, become American citizens, thus giving them an anchor or a tie to the United States. And again, the problem is exacerbated. The president is right. Stop them before they get here. It should be incumbent upon the Honduran military to follow this caravan up the road into Mexico, or I'm sorry, into Guatemala, where they are now. Follow them, get in front of them, flank them, and turn them back around. Because if you don't, President Trump said, not another nickel of aid to your country. By the way, El Salvador, same story. By the way, um, um, Guatemala, same story. And quite frankly, anyone, if you intentionally allow your people to try to violate our sovereignty, then we are done with you. No more aid. That's it. Hit them where it hurts. The president is right. If you want to react to it, 216-901-0945. Join us now on AM 1420, The Answer. The accident 480 eastbound near I-77 has been cleared, but still have construction 480 eastbound before Warrensville Center in the left lane. Stop and go traffic back to Granger Road. This report sponsored by Lowe's. Hurry into Lowe's for savings on everything you need to get started on fall projects like overseeding and feeding your lawn or perking up your curb appeal with new mulch and fall plants. Whatever's on your to-do list, start now and save at Lowe's. That's your traffic update. I'm Mike Kessler on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Bob Francer, for my good friends at Kowalski Ford. Are you in the market for a new car? You know, the 2019s are out now. Everybody is getting excited about the new models, and maybe you're out there shopping. I'm going to ask you to do something for yourself that maybe you hadn't thought of, and that is to include a trip to Kowalski Ford in your shopping. I don't care what kind of car you're looking for. If you're looking for a great deal on a great 2019 car, well, then you're going to want to check out Kowalski Ford. And more importantly, if you're looking for a place where your excitement level will not be tamped down by being pressured into taking the wrong car for you because there's a guy in a big giant lot that's got quotas to meet and you've got to take this one off of their lot well then you're going to want to get to Kowalski Ford because there is no pressure not low pressure but there is no pressure at Kowalski Ford and if you don't see exactly what you want on their lot they will find you what you want they will deliver it to you with a smile and a handshake that's how it works at Kowalski Ford experience it for yourself the excitement of buying a car is like nothing else make sure that is not tamped down with stress and worry by getting to Kowalski Ford and Avon Lake on Lake Road one mile west of Route 83 Kowalski Ford get there Quite frankly, we cannot be the world's dumping ground. We cannot. We cannot allow other countries who refuse to care for the needs and the basic human rights of all citizens, of their citizens, to then just expel those citizens, to send them to make life so miserable for them there that they have no choice but to race to our country and just expect us to open our borders and allow these people to come in completely unvetted, uh, un- unskilled, unable to contribute to the United States, instead here to, to use our resources, to not even adapt to our culture, 
Not even attempt to adapt to our culture. We cannot be the world's dumping ground. We have to turn these migrant marches back. President Trump tweeting, we have today informed the countries of Honduras, Guatemala and El Salvador that if they allow their citizens or others to journey through their borders and up to the United States with the intention of entering our country illegally, all payments made to them will stop. Meantime, a former Honduran lawmaker, Bartolo Fuentes, reported to have organized the march, who was detained by authorities in Guatemala for failing to register with migration officials, is now attacking the U.S. A criminal government supported by Trump provokes this migration. The U.S. supports a corrupt government. And in response to the caravan, Mexico now reinforcing security at its southern border with hundreds of Mexican federal police arriving on all right, that uh, is a report from Fox News, and I think it's very well uh, uh, articulated. We, we, uh, you know, and the president's tweet is rather very well articulated. We cannot allow this, and I'm just going to continue to call it a dumping ground. They have problems they can't deal with or they don't want to deal with because they want to absorb and hold all of the wealth themselves, talking about the leaders of countries like this. And so they want to export their problems to the United States. These are not the kind of imports that we need to be taking in. It's, in fact, the exact reason why those of us who voted for President Trump, who voted for a border wall, remember, I say this all the time, on the ballot in November of 2016 were two choices. One was border wall. The other one was open borders. Donald Trump represented a wall. Hillary Clinton represented open borders. Guess which side won? The American people said, we want a border wall. And this is exactly why we need one. No matter how reprehensible, despicable, and disgusting Nancy Pelosi is, sorry about that, I want you to hear this, Nancy Pelosi is, as she describes President Trump's border wall as an indecency. Guys, if it's one or two. I'll I'll let you make your decision. Um, Pelosi, why do you think it is in a GOP-controlled Congress um, we failed to see the appropriations required for the president to build his wall. What, why is it that you think the Republican Party won't let it happen despite the president's repeated promises to his base? So you're asking me why the um, Republicans are allowing the president to talk about a wall? I'm, I wasn't understanding the question. What, why hasn't it happened? Why hasn't she's, it- she's kind of stupid, just FYI. There is nothing ambiguous about the man's question. Nancy Pelosi is just kind of stupid. And I know that's a little redundant because she's liberal. We're liberal equals stupid. Stupid equals liberal. I understand that. But just it's sometimes it's glaring, isn't it? The money um, being made available to construct the wall. Why hasn't the money been made available to construct the wall? Well, maybe it's because the wall is a complete indecency. Uh, it's ineffective. Uh, it is not the appropriate way uh, to, uh, uh, if you ever went to uh, the border, you would see that it's a community with a border going through it. Uh, should we protect our- She thinks that the United States southern border we share with Mexico is a community. It's a community with a border going through it. She thinks that everything is hunky-dory on each side of that border. She completely ignores all of the drugs and all of the gang cartels that control that border. She completely ignores the need to keep these things and these criminals out of the United States. We have a responsibility to do that, and there's technology and uh, uh, innovative solutions to do that. We don't, some of us do not see a wall as a solution. That's why I would not be for it. I, I don't uh, 
Uh, I think we've used our leverage in our negotiation to say there are better ways. There are no better ways. If there were better ways, you screeching, harping you, then we wouldn't have 11 million to 20 million illegal immigrants in this country right now. Mike Gallagher's next. I'll talk to you tomorrow on AM 1420, The Answer. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.